made me feel guilty now. I was all excited about running through Hunter Biden's uh, life currently, and Joe made me feel oh, guilty. Oh, what? No, I didn't mean to. Hunter, run, you're a loser. Let's run through it. <laughs> Thank you, Joe. It's a dumpster fire out back of an S show. <laughs> Who wouldn't want to run through it? So maybe we'll get to the latest on that. I don't think it reflects on the old man. I, I, I don't. I really, really honestly don't. I might have before I became a parent. I don't now. Uh, because guess what? Kids get to be their own human beings, just like, well, if you go, the stupid things you've done in your life, how much do you blame your parents for? A lot. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, some do. I sure don't. Some of you have had crappy parents, and it's legitimate, uh, but uh, I did not, and anything, any of the stupid stuff I've done in my life was completely on me. 100%. Particularly in the uh, subcategory of sinful, outrageous, ill-advised, you know, that sort of, maybe you want to blame them for, uh, you know, your anxiety or whatever, but your decision to blank with a blank and then blank <laughs> until 3 a.m., that was not on your parents. I don't know. There was a single day where my mom forgot to pack my lunch properly, and so right. every now and then I pull off a bank heist. <laughs> right, right, exactly. With so, your hooker girlfriend. <laughs> so more on Hunter Biden later this hour. Yeah. So, listen, I don't know. I, you're busy. You got your own problems. Why am I working out my own personal demons? I find it so frustrating to be part of the national conversation for a living right now because the national conversation has gotten so what's the what's the right unproductive i guess would be a good word it's like you know walking into a room and hearing people screaming epithets at each other and trying to make sense of it The only sane response, really, is to turn around and walk out of the room because you're not (laughs) going to do any good. People are already beyond that. And it's, you know, it's the product of a couple of things. Both of us, Jack and I, we take in a lot of different media, left, right, and center, um, partly just because we both find it interesting and partly for a living. And I think you have to. I have to. The media that tends to agree with me, I can't get the whole story from them. Right. Most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, Ian Bremmer says that the pinned at the top of his Twitter page is if you're not following someone you don't like, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. And that, that is or absolutely disagree true. with or whatever it is. Yeah. I watch cable news shows that I hate almost every human being on the set. <laughs> I mean, I don't just disagree with them. I hate them. Yeah. But I often get information that I don't hear other places. Well, and I listen, I've got to verify it, obviously. Right. But, but an opinion or a, just a way to look at things. Well, you know, I'm a big football fan. I can't wait for the the Super Bowl. To me, it's like watching game film of your opposition. Um, It makes your team better, and you might understand, oh, my gosh, we're, we're not doing that very well. Here's a flaw in our argument or a weak point in the argument, which we either need to change or argue better or what have you. So I think it's it's useful, but... You know, it's become increasingly clear that very few people have the time or inclination to do that. We used to think that we have these neutral, reliable news sources, and we all take them in and have a fair amount of overlap. Maybe you're right, maybe you're left, but there's a lot of overlap in what you're hearing and seeing. Now, and I realize it's kind of a tired point, you've heard it before, but now there's so little overlap that... um, I mean, and we get emails. We got this nice email, uh, Brian, who... uh, from life circumstances, hadn't listened to the show for a while, and is back, and now is outraged, outraged that we're not on the toss Trump out train, and thinks the fact that we're taking impeachment lightly is just 
um, indefensible and insane and the rest of it. And then here's a little tip for you. I take most things lightly. Here's a little tip for you. Um, not just in, in writing an email to our show, but in dealing with human beings. Then Brian decides in his last paragraph to explain to us why he thinks we're so off base. And it has to do with our motives. And I think it's just because you think you have to and your corporate overlords are telling you. Here's a little hint. Whether you're talking to your wife or your buddy or your coworker or your boss, you start telling people you're just saying that because it's over. Final buzzer. The game is over. There will be no productive discussion from that moment on. When it comes to human interaction, that is stabbing them in their liver. It ends the discussion. Brian, you'd have been a lot better off without your last uh, 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 paragraph. By the way, for the record, because we get this a lot, our corporate overlords don't give half a crap what we say. They just want us to get an audience. Never have, never will. To, what, to the, whatever extent we have corporate overlords. If we do, I don't know their names, and I wouldn't know them if they walked in the room. <laughs> hey, we um, need you to be more pro-Trump. Who the F are you and get out would be our response. Yeah. I, uh, I'm the senior vice president. Oh, good to meet you. That is the secret of modern media, definitely. If you were if you were a conservative-leaning show on MSNBC, we got ratings, they'd be fine with it. And the, and the reverse on uh, Fox. They just want ratings to sell commercials. Right. That's what they want more than anything else. Right, but I just want to make this point to you. Those of you particularly who are outraged that we are not taking the impeachment thing seriously. And I've used this, it's not even a metaphor, it's an example before. Adam Schiff and Gerald Nadler, trust me when I say this, are way over the top. They are they're really out there. They're a little in love with themselves, and they say stuff that is just indefensible in prosecuting a political case. On the other side, you got attack dogs like Devin Nunes, who's who's out of the house, Daryl Issa, who's trying to get back into it, um, running for, uh, I think it's a different seat in the San Diego area, but... Um, and and there are attack dogs on the Republican side that they're they're there to 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 lay the wood. They're not there for nuance. That's their job. Just so you understand, your guy Schiff and your guy Nadler, they are absolutely not there for justice. They're hatchet men. Each side has them. Okay. I've served on several juries now. The prosecution presents your case, and this has happened to me. And I was sitting there, and my fellow jurors were sitting there thinking. Holy crap, how quickly can we put this guy in prison? Seriously, we thought that. This guy needs to go away. And then you break for lunch or maybe overnight or whatever. Then the defense comes in and they call their witnesses. And by the time you're done, you're thinking, I can't believe this poor son of a gun even got prosecuted, much less or or arrested, much less tried. This case has more holes in it than the, you know, uh, Swiss cheese. Get get acquitted. Get out of here. Having thought only hours or days before, this guy's a monster. So much of America is only hearing the prosecution case. And I would say they're hearing it from some damned unethical prosecutors. And then they flip us on and they think, are you guys out of your minds? Trump did all these things for these reasons. We've heard it over and over again. And look at the supporting case and the rest of it. And you haven't even heard the defense case, much less 
the point of view that, you know, I think he did most of what y'all are saying, but there's no way they're going to boot him out because it's just not serious enough to remove a president. It's unethical. It was dumb. It was ham-handed. Rudy's a loose cannon, the rest of it. I agree with you on a lot of that stuff, but here's what you're missing. And I'm not going to fill in all those blanks right now because we don't have time, but keep listening to the show. All you've heard is the prosecution case. And I tell you what, I think the the Clinton result was the right one. A lot of my conservative friends hate that. I don't think it was worthy of removing Clinton. Um, and, and, and he did commit crimes, and he was a lying piece of crap. But uh, I just think that's such a big move. Uh, you got to be extremely careful. It's got to be a really, really serious thing. Now, again, here come the emails. You're angry. That's fine. I can take it. Um, I'm willing to concede virtually 75, 80% of what y'all are claiming about Trump, and I don't think he should be removed. But you haven't heard anybody make that case. So, you know, I'm not mad at you for thinking that, but that's one of the reasons you're thinking that. You're a juror who is running to the bench and saying, Your Honor, Your Honor, the jury is ready to render a verdict. We don't need to hear the defense. Don't be that. Uh, we got Dan Balls of the Washington Post coming up later this hour, and we'll talk to him about where things stand with the uh, wranglings over impeachment, and he's a pretty fair guy. Oh, he's old school, which uh, I love about him. I, I have heard, uh, you know, speaking to taking in both sides of the media, uh, on Hunter Biden testifying. Um, uh, you take in some media, that is a complete joke. There's somebody that's got nothing to do with this. It's absolutely a joke. It's just a, an attempt to beat up who they think is going to be his rival, Joe Biden, and drag the, the Bidens through the mud. And then you right. got the other side saying, uh, Tucker Carlson said it on the show last night, Hunter Biden is the key to this whole thing. Whether or not there was corruption there and the president was investigating, et cetera, et cetera. So, right. Two completely different views of just that point. Um, but we'll talk to Dan Balls about that later. Good news on the you don't like dogs on your planes front. We'll get to that coming up. Maybe they're going to finally take a look at this whole support animal. Somebody may have pushed it too far. Oh, boy. It's part of the uh, the tipping point in that story. My my offer remains, if you can get a full-grown horse on your flight, I will pay you $10,000. <laughs> Our text line is 415 No mini horses. Sorry, go ahead. 415 <laughs> kftc One New York resident wants alcohol to be recognized as his legal companion. 47-year-old Floyd Hayes of Brooklyn registered a pint of beer as his emotional support animal <laughs> yes. with the USA Service Dog registration. I heard that. Hayes says he wants to see if this method will allow him to carry his drink of choice on public transit. <laughs> he listed beer as a helper for his social yes. anxiety disorder, Amen. but claims it was a lighthearted effort and he is not an alcoholic. That is so clearly a decent argument. If yeah. that college girl gets to bring her dog with her on right. the plane because it makes her feel more comfortable, you know what makes me more feel more comfortable? This six-pack of Coors Light. A couple of glasses of wine. Makes me feel way more comfortable. I'm not going to freak out. I'm going to be more friendly. Right. No fear of the airplane, you know, wetting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I thought that was fantastic. And a pretty decent argument right there. If the point is me being more comfortable uh, to be able to fly... 
Not a question. Right. Uh, I'm less stressed. This and is now not miserable for me. It's actually more borderline pleasant. And me having a couple of beers is way less disruptive to my passengers and everything like that than that person having a dog right. next You've to me. You've only pooped on a plane, well, once, twice? <laughs> so, oh, major political news. Marianne oh, Williamson. Okay. Oh, you have that? No. I, we're, this was a, it doesn't matter. Marianne Williamson has endorsed Andrew Yang. <laughs> we slam it like nobody's business. Well, that'll move many votes. <laughs> okay, back to the uh, emotional support thing. Ah, yes. um, uh, so, uh, kind of keeping with that theme, because everybody realizes what a joke this has become, U.S. airlines are about to ban untrained support animals, which needed to happen. The U.S. Department of Transportation could allow airlines to ban untrained animals from airplanes, possibly ending the entire debate over whether emotional support pets deserve the same treatment as fully trained service animals. I'm shocked this didn't happen five years ago. Particularly in recent years, you may have noticed this, with a rise in emotional support animals ranging from dogs and snakes to miniature horses, pigs, ducks, peacocks, and turkeys. Turkey. But some, but some passengers worry that animal owners are skirting rules just for the convenience of flying with their pets. You think? You think that's going on there? Both Marshall and I live in an area with lots of turkeys, and uh, they're not comforting at all. <laughs> they look like friggin' dinosaurs, number one, and they, uh, they're scary. They'll attack you in your car. The new rule would let airlines limit service animals only to dogs, first of all, so no snakes. Or what was also on the list? Miniature horses, turkeys, peacocks, rabbits. Somebody actually got a peacock on a plane. A peacock. Uh, there was. They b- brought it into the terminal. I think they actually uh, got got the Heisman stiff arm on getting that one on yeah. one way, okay. but there yeah. was an attempt. Um, well, but- in airlines, Jack, they don't want the bad pub. They don't want somebody to go crazy and and sue them or or claim that you know they were a, a victim of something or other, and all they wanted to do was bring their peacock on and. So they just don't need the pub. I'll bet they were pressuring the Department of Transportation. You make the government rule so we don't look like here at United that we're anti-flying with your pug. Right, right. Um, United's about punching Asian doctors and smashing guitars, (laughs) not evicting pugs. And leaving you stranded all day in whatever terminal. Without apology. (laughs) Uh, As it says here, there are online companies that will self-certify emotional support animals with a therapist signature (laughs) for for less than $100. (laughs) I can't believe they get that much. Why haven't I opened up a website to do the same thing? Why do I know doctors. Hey, hey, do me a favor. Stop by my house five minutes a week and sign these forms. We actually thought the last time we flew, why haven't we flown with our pug? My son with the emotional problems really feels more comfortable with the pug next to him. And uh, that would be legit close yeah. to it. I mean, it's not a highly trained animal like they're going to right. narrow it down to the The problem with the, the obviously it's just a dog that makes you feel good. Right. <laughs> it's, uh, practically everybody. Well, my dog makes me feel terrible. I get home and it's just seeing the dog. It he makes my day worse. <laughs> and he attacks me on a virtual <laughs> daily basis. Starts wagging its tail. and I just get so mad. And nothing makes me madder than the look on that dog's face. Stop with the faithfulness. <laughs> Quit with your, what do they call it, uh, unconditional love. Right. I've had it with unconditional love. Exactly. Um, But they're only going to allow for psychiatric service animals only after they've had the same training and treatment of psychiatric service animals and other service animals that, you know, are actual service animals. You're seeing eye dogs, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And that's actually going to happen now. It's finally over. Thank goodness. 
I hated it. Yeah. Some of those actually trained service animals are so impressive. I saw this one where it was a service animal at a park, and a squirrel comes up and just starts, like, pawing at its paw. And oh, this, my. And the wow. service animal is just sitting there looking at it be like, I, I could smash you, but I'm on the clock right now. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> I don't want to lose be, my job. I, I got kids. I got health yeah. insurance. I got a day off Friday. I'm going to come back here. You're here. You're screwed. All right, squirrel. Yeah, keep an eye on your nuts. Yeah. <laughs> You know what I think? Squirrels are rats with better PR. If they didn't have that fluffy tail, people would despise them. <laughs> if squirrels had the long, bald rat tail, you would eradicate them as quickly as you could. Tell, kind of, tell me I'm wrong. They're like an annoying hot chick. If you weren't so hot, you wouldn't. people wouldn't be buying you drinks and listening to your boring story. They'd be telling you to shut up. <laughs> You're killing the buzz. Exactly. <laughs> Squirrels are annoying, the annoying hot chick of the animal world. That's brilliant. <laughs> um, Dan Balls of the Washington Post coming up in a little bit, and we're obviously going to talk about impeachment. And um, why do I keep misplacing my phone? Darn it. Yeah, and we, you know, we've also had some really interesting conversations with Dan, if you haven't caught him, about uh, the state of modern media, too, which he is uh, remarkably frank about. I thought it was really interesting. I'm really, um, I'm super into this uh, book about the impeachment of Andrew Johnson. Now, and uh, because I lived through the Clinton impeachment, I'm pretty up on that. I wasn't as up on the Andrew Johnson impeachment, the other of the three. And some of the things they said before, during and after that impeachment are exactly like what's going on today. Wow. I'll have to get to that later in the show. But Dan Ball's coming up in a few. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. As I mentioned, I'm reading the book about the impeachment of Andrew Johnson, so I'll be up on all my impeachments. And um, in the opening chapters, they talk about how at the at the end of the whole thing, it left such a bad taste in everybody's mouth. <laughs> that everybody decided, even the people that hated Andrew Johnson thought this was just a, a, a quote, a legal train wreck. And I think the same feeling existed after the Clinton impeachment, and I wonder if we're going to have the same feeling after this one. Well, if I were a betting man, wait a minute, I am a betting man. I would bet that is likely to be the outcome, but let's not prejudge. Hmm? Let's talk with uh, the fabulous Dan Balls of the Washington Post, chief correspondent covering national politics, the presidency and the Congress. Dan has won virtually every uh, journalism award that's around, and it's always a pleasure. Dan, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm sorely tempted to talk uh, nothing about impeachment and just talk about your uh, life and experience and career <laughs> because I'm sick to death of impeachment. <laughs> um, well, <laughs> I think we should stick with impeachment. <laughs> okay. Also, for... that, that, that book about the Andrew Johnson impeachment, uh, if it's the one by Brenda Wineapple, yeah. is a terrific book. The it's impeachers. a really good book. Yeah, it is yeah. really interesting. And, and the fact that... <laughs> The fact that so many people felt like it was um, uh, just a bad idea, a, a mess, and uh, um, and then then we had the same experience with Clinton. Do you do you agree that we might come out of this with three impeachments where everybody thinks that that might not be the best direction to go in the future? Well, that may well be the case. I think for different reasons. I mean, I think what happened in the Johnson impeachment back in the 19th century and and the and the reaction to that was different than the than the clinton uh impeachment and the clinton impeachment is different than this one um for a variety of reasons so but um 
You know, it's been you know it's been said a lot of times. The process of impeachment is not a process that uh, does anything but kind of tear a country apart, um, and. It's difficult to imagine a situation in which an impeachment process ends with the country feeling better. The one exception to that is the president who was about to be impeached, um, Richard Nixon, who resigned before that happened, and therefore there was not a formal vote in the House, and that didn't go to a Senate trial. But that resignation gave people a sense of closure and satisfaction. Um, And that's quite different than we've seen in the other two that we've witnessed in our lifetimes. You know, I think we need a new national position. I'm not sure exactly how it would be elected or appointed, but a national sage who would be uh, nonpartisan and just say things like, I want you to realize at the end of this, we're all going to hate each other. (laughs) Do we want that? You know, I don't know a national wise old uncle. I mean, Dan, would you be interested in the post? I decline. Thank you. So uh, let's uh, get down to brass tacks. And to your mind, um, how is the prosecution's case coming along? And uh, does it does it matter uh, how well they do really, given the senator's uh, predispositions to do what they're going to do? Well, it, a couple of thoughts on that. One is that the you know the the House managers or the or the the Democrats, however you want to describe the prosecution, um, have dominated the first two days of this trial. Um, in part, that's not unexpected because the the House managers go first, and then the president's. Uh, defense team will come after that. But the opening day, which was a very long day and got testy at the end to the point that uh, Chief Justice John Roberts had to admonish senators and and, uh, and particularly the, the managers and the defense team to um, act with a little bit more decorum, um, the, the Democrats have sort of uh, driven the process over the, the first two days. Um, Senator McConnell had to make some concessions to his own folks on the opening day about the rules that he had initially promulgated, and um, and that was, I think, unexpected because normally McConnell is very, um, you know, he's very careful about the way he proceeds, and in this case, he overstepped and and got kind of pushed back on by his own people. So um, the case that they are laying out, and I think you know Adam Schiff, who is the lead uh, attorney on the House manager side. Uh, spent more of the the day than anybody else in that team. Um, they they are delivering a case that is well known, uh, that has a lot of detail. They went through the timeline yesterday. Um, it is a compelling timeline as to the the course of events, and they have a lot of detail about it. Their goal, obviously, is to try to persuade four Republican senators um, eventually to vote to allow documents and or witnesses. And um, there's no indication at this point of whether they are succeeding on that very crucial question yeah that was a kind way of you putting it arguments that are well known yes i've heard this all before i personally am not going to be paying a heck of a lot of attention until we get to the most exciting part which is the are we going to have witnesses or not and it was your newspaper the washington post yesterday that had the story that uh, you know in in closed door meetings uh, are they looking at a Biden for Bolton trade? Now that got slapped down a little by Schiff yesterday, but if that happens, that's going to be some serious drama. Well, that would be some serious drama. Uh, both Schumer and uh, Schiff threw cold water on that notion yesterday. Do you think it's and... over as an idea? 
No, I don't think it's over as an idea. I think it will continue to kind of float out there as a possibility. Um, I think realistically, it's a it's a, a probably a non-starter. Um, I don't think that the former vice president is is eager to be a you know a trade bait in this thing. Um, although there are some people who think that he could do himself uh, a favor if he were to to try to call their bluff. I mean, basically say, okay, if you if you give up documents and witnesses, I'd be willing to testify um, and then see if the Republicans would be prepared to make that deal. But but that's a risk on Biden's part, obviously. Um, and I don't think he's, you know, in a in a mindset at this point to want to go in that direction. Does he have so to go if they that, ask, if they, if, they, if they say we want to talk to Hunter Biden or Joe Biden, do they have to show up? If they're subpoenaed, they yeah. would presumably have to show up. And, and, do they, know, and I mean, can they take the fifth? Um, they're not being accused. Know. They're not being accused of anything. So, can you take the fifth if you're not being charged with anything? Well, you I might. Think it, uh, I think if Joe Biden went in there and took the fifth, that would not be helpful to Probably him. Not. Well, well, how about political uh, very, very good point, Dan Balls. <laughs> but Dan, Dan, in the words of the POTUS, where's Hunter? It's Hunter Biden that I think is the key witness in terms of you know if if the defense is going to try to make the case that look there was a legitimate concern about legitimate corruption here. And the president was not merely self-dealing. He was looking into a serious bit of corruption. Um, and that's probably a case worth making. Uh, you've got to call Hunter. And then, you know, if I were Hunter's lawyer, I'd say, hell yeah, you're going to take the fifth. And it's going to go right back to the guy sitting in back of you, John Roberts, as to whether this is legit or not. Because you're involved in a lot of crazy stuff. And who knows, you know, what you say here, never mind here, it's in whatever district in New York or what have you, there could be a case down the road. So yeah. there's no there's no indication that what he did was illegal. The, the, the issue is Burisma and whether there was corruption in Burisma. The question with Hunter Biden has to do with, um, you know, what was it smelly? Um, and was it, you know, was it somebody who was able to get a very fat contract um, because he was the son of the, the then vice president? What Biden did is that, you know, as the uh, the has been discussed many times um, was carrying out the policy of the United States government with the support of many you know Republicans in Congress with the support of international organizations and allies um, to try to get rid of a prosecutor who they did not think was was going after corruption um, and <clears throat> the likelihood if that you know if that had happened the likelihood was that Burisma would then face more of an investigation than they were facing at the time. So, um, you know, the, the, the Hunter Biden thing may be, um, may be embarrassing, um, but the question of was it illegal, um, you know, I think that's a totally different question. Well, that's, that's... And, and, and frankly, it's not, you know, it's, it's, it is not uh, material to, um, to what Trump was trying to do at that point. Well, that's that's when it gets interesting as we all go back and forth between looking at this like it's an actual courtroom and trial and crime and 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 the idea that it's just it's politics. It's trying to damage various people for an upcoming election and, uh, you know, what your goal is there. Uh, Yeah. And to me, if you could establish even serious doubt that, oh, wait, it turns out that whole Hunter Biden thing was crooked as hell. 
And that that creates enough uh, uh, doubt politically, Dan, to me that, you know, since we are on a political procedure. But, you know, we'll we'll all find out together in the next several days. Or even if the Democrats lose, as everybody expects, that uh, that Trump will be acquitted. Did they accomplish something by damaging him going into the election? And in some ways they could call it a win, I guess. But it seems to me that everybody thinks there will be witnesses. Do you agree with that? I'm not 100 percent sure of that. Um, I, I think a lot depends on how these opening days go and the effectiveness of the uh, administration and the president's defense team in rebutting the case that the House managers are making yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Um, I think that I think there are probably a couple of senators who are very inclined to vote for witnesses. I don't know if we are at four at this point. Uh, final note, just a little preview. I know you know Jay Sekulow's act. He is the president's uh, head attorney. Um, what do you think of him? What can we expect from him? Well, um, you know, based on what we saw on the opening day when they were they were having a go-round about some of the rules and things. Um, at times, he was not as effective as he probably needed to be. So we will see once we get into the time when they have their own um, defense and prepared, you know, a prepared defense. We will see how effective they are. I think that um, there were questions about the the skill and the effectiveness of the president's team on opening day. We obviously haven't heard from them since, and we won't until Saturday. So I I I, I don't prejudge how Secula will do once he has the you know the full the full moment to lay out what they want to lay out as part of the defense. Well, the morning consult poll yesterday had it forty seven forty five uh, leaning toward Trump's removal, but the key being those numbers haven't moved really in weeks and weeks and weeks. And I just wonder if they're, no, they're, they're ever going to. There move. was a there, there was a I think there's a another poll, maybe a Pew poll that had it like fifty one forty five or forty six, but in favor um, of removal, as I recall, in right? In favor of yeah. removal. Yeah. Um, but you're right. I mean, I think the larger point is that um, this proceeding so far, like everything else that has happened yeah. over the last six weeks, has not moved public opinion in any material way. You just wonder if anything could. Final question for the great Dan Balls of the Washington Post. Niners or Chiefs, Dan? Oh, man. Now, where are you based? Well, we're on in both cities. <laughs> we're, we're all over the place. So we're really, we're, we're really, we're, we're and doing loved, by the way, in both places. We're doing the Hillary Clinton thing. I wear a Yankees hat. I wear a Red Sox hat. <laughs> you know, I haven't, I have, I have not made a choice in this. I was rooting for the, the Chiefs, uh, in their game. Um, I think, uh, Patrick Mahomes is a terrific quarterback, and I enjoy him. Oh, yeah. um, because I'm a Midwesterner, although I grew up in Illinois and therefore was a Bears fan as a kid, um, I was rooting for the Packers, um, and that wasn't to be. They they got skunked again. So Indeed, um, indeed. Well, they're all fine young men, and they're trying their best. Let's just <laughs> root for no injuries. Uh, Dan, so well put. <laughs> we, we need that voice in this country today, Dan, bringing us together. Dan Balls of the Washington Post. It's always great. Thanks so much for the time. Thanks, guys. All right, you got it. Uh, yeah, I. Uh, well, we'll see. We'll watch it unfold. I see. I th- I I agree with his point, and he's absolutely right. And uh, maybe we'll get into the details of it. I don't, probably not. Andrew Johnson trial, Clinton trial, and this one. 
three very different, you know, in the, the specifics the of, of facts, the specifics and everything, and everything yeah. like very yeah. different. But overall, 30,000 feet looking at it through history, it's going to be exactly the same. The president's going to stay and most people on both sides are going to say that was a mistake. I don't I don't think there's any way it doesn't turn out that way. Legitimate stuff that people hate and think the stuff I hate is serious enough, we get to boot him out. But the stuff you hate is not necessarily big enough. I think isn't that kind of the it was just it wasn't big enough. We shouldn't have done that. Three times. Yeah. Well, we shall see. Again, as I said to Dan, we'll all find out together, for better or worse. (laughs) Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So I just got a text from my wife that uh, one of my kids has got uh, temperature and sick. So with any luck, I brought that into all of you today. And uh, oh Lord! And then you can take it home to your family. Unclean. So uh, we talked yesterday about how the uh, the normal temperature has gone. It's no longer ninety eight point six. We've cooled off as a species. And uh, we got a, a note from a guy who made the point. Look, I've always run like a degree and a half cold. And so I would have a 99.5 fever in my mom and say, ah, it's barely a degree to go to school. Turns out he's actually quite ill. I, I did wonder, does that make a difference for that, too? Do you have to go with your what your normal temperature is and and use that as the baseline for Oh, everything? absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I had a doctor once tell me that. Cause, huh. Just because I was always 98.4, which is barely off, um, but... Uh, he said, yeah, yeah, you have a baseline temperature. You go off the baseline. Like so, my son is... Much um, like my power moves to the rack. The baseline. That's my territory. Like my son today is a 99... He's a short white guy who can't jump. Yes? He's a 99.5, but I don't know what his baseline temperature is. Mm, Got to have the baseline. Yeah, I guess we all do need to have the baseline. Yes. Now that we know that it's cooled off a lot. Yeah. Uh, that a number of people are well below that. Uh, it's because of the global warming. Little Greta Thunberg told me that uh, the world is hotter, so you need to be cooler just to balance, uh, balance it off. You can oh, see wait and, a uh, second. the penguins are flying and, and ostriches are swimming. What? He's got a math- How dare you? Sorry. He's got a math test today. Now, oh. she took his temperature. He's actually hot. So I guess he's actually sick. But mm-hmm. tummy ache, day of the math test is always suspicious. I would like Big to speak math up test in, been, uh, for, for, for the for boy. Uh, if he's sick, he's sick, and any further inquiry is uh, merely slander. Uh, yeah, Impugning well, his this, motives. This, this How is, dare you? There, there's a backstory. It, uh, math, math has been pretty difficult for him, and um, uh, serious test anxiety around math as it's oh. grown over time. It's oh, become a, like a. That. It's become a. If he had a stomach ache because he has a math test day, it wouldn't surprise me, whether real or imagined. Um, but if you got a fever, you got a fever. But I told him last night before he went to bed, because we studied the math and uh, we worked on some of the problems. We did some practice stuff last night before the test today. And I told him last night, I said, one th- when you sit down to do your math test, I want you to say this to yourself over and over and over. My parents don't care what I get on this test. 
My See, parents that's too don't much care pressure. what I get on this test. Because <laughs> I said, because I don't care. As long as you try, I right. don't care. It doesn't make any difference to me. I said, I know plenty of very successful people can't do math at all. Right. Listen, just, you're a verbal care. guy. You're whatever. That's fine. Yeah. 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 And I was trying to convince him to do do three or four problems and get them right so the teacher knows you understand the concept and leave the rest of them blank is better than getting them all wrong because you hurried through and you felt like you had to get it done. Ah, Because it's all about the concept in real life and for the teacher. But in real life, knowing how to to, to multiply double-digit numbers is something you should know how to do. Right. But you don't need to do it at a certain speed or anything like that throughout your life. You just need to know how to do it. Right. So for me personally, as wanting to raise someone who succeeds in the world, I just want him to know how to do it. Right. Um. And and I also found it interesting last night when 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 he got the concept of these particular problems that he was really struggling with, like and and I mean like serious struggle, like tears and upset and the, everything like that. And we finally broke through and got it. Mm-hmm. I got more satisfaction out of that than I got out of my own math tests that I usually did pretty well on. <laughs> it's, right. it's something you don't recognize as a kid. Your parents get more enjoyment out of you succeeding than they did out of their own success. Oh, yeah. Which is just so interesting. Oh, yeah. It, does, it makes perfectly good sense because my genes are screaming out, he's going to survive! He's going to survive! <laughs> to break it down to the most biological <laughs> level, yes. Right, yeah, sure. Plus, you love him. Uh, I should be back in school. Right! Yes, you should! Finally, yes. you've wised up. That's what I should have done. Next time he has a math test, I'm going to pull him out. We're going to go out into the park. And we're going to yell about climate change. Exactly. And you'll say, we're doing something important. You're adding numbers. We're trying to save the planet. Son, we're going to take a raft. Auckland. <laughs> Where's Auckland? Well, it's going to take a while. Yeah. Well, get, oh, man. I'll give him I some good lines to say. You've stolen my childhood. How dare you yeah, with your empty words. can't be in school. He's trying to stop climate change. <laughs> <laughs> 